Welcome back to the Breakside Podcast, here for episode 35. This is your ultimate destination for in-depth, collegiate professional Frisbee discussions and interviews. I'm your host, David Adamitis. This episode's guest just finished his 11th year playing for the Montreal Royals, where he leads his team in assists, completions, and points played. He is also tied for second all-time in the UFA league-wide assist leaderboard. A big welcome to Kevin Quinlan. Kevin, thanks for being here. How are you doing? Hey, David. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. It's it's awesome to have you. We uh, A few months ago, we had another player um, plays for the Toronto Rush, so it's kind of cool to get the other Canadian team represented on this podcast as well. But I think it's yeah, fitting. It. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. This is really cool, really exciting. And I think it's fitting that we jump into this interview with obviously the big news that kind of broke from the AUDL, which I think we should now call the UFA which is the ultimate Frisbee association. So just as a player's perspective, kind of what's your reaction to the rebrand and what do you think of this? Yeah, I think it's super exciting. I think it's going to take a bit for me to switch over and say the name correctly, just because I've been saying it since 2012, the AUDL, but I'm definitely excited to go to the three letter format. I think it's really exciting to be able to use the word Frisbee. It's uh, I think it's really good for the sport. Yeah. It's exciting. It kind of fits with other sports brands out there nfl nba kind of goes to the flow uf ufa see i'm even i'm already struggling to get over it but we're so used to AUDL. A- um but it, i think it's really exciting something that we mentioned already you've been in this league for a long time right you just finished your 11th year so you've seen a tremendous amount of growth um do you kind of just see this as a way the league continues to grow and kind of fits in with the other changes that the you know frisbee has made in the, in the last decade or so yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. You know, I've been there since the beginning of the league, and each year I think they make uh, strides to continue to grow and reach new athletes. And uh, it's just, uh, yeah, it's exciting just to kind of see where where these things go. And I think, yeah, the word Frisbee is a, is a big deal um, for us that play the sport. So I think uh, this is the right move, and I'm, I'm excited to continue to see where the, where the league goes. Yeah, right on with the word Frisbee. That's that's huge. It makes life so much easier for trying to explain what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's try to jump into more about you now that we cover what's going on in the league. You've been in the league for a long time. You've seen the changes. You know, we've laid that out a little bit. But within those years of playing, you've amassed a pretty impressive resume, especially in the world of assists. Right. You're tied number two all time. I think that totals at 258 assists. Maybe you can correct me if you know that's off of your head. But that's an impressive amount of assists. Just talk to me kind of 10 years ago. Did you ever think you could be at a place where you're almost leading the league in something like this? Yeah, interesting question. I don't know what the exact number is, but I can tell you that I have been playing a long time. So um, it doesn't necessarily – I bet you I'm up there in a lot of other ones too just because of the amount of points I've been on the field. But – yeah, I mean, so my journey was kind of interesting, though, like starting out with playing with the now defunct Buffalo Hunters back in 2012. Like I was a college kid, probably, I think 18 years old when I first joined that team and, you know, kind of earned my stripes on that team with just, you know, starting out like a lot of rookies do, you know, earning your uh, your name on the D line and trying to make a play when you can and get, earning your play time. Um, did I ever think I'd be up there and assist? Not necessarily. I mean, it's one of parts of the game that I really do love is like the creativity you can have with throws. And I think, you know, as I started to develop uh, as a player, I kind of learned that one of my strengths was being able to put the disc in the end zone. But I would say that a lot of my success is just, you know, by the people that I'm surrounded by, I mean, having some just amazing athletes, not only that are catching and making me look good, but also just some 
selfless players on the team that are allowing me to kind of fill that role. For sure. I think so much with being the person who generates those assists, it's obviously you have to have a good throw. You have to be very talented and versatile in what you can throw. And it also has, you have to be really good at field of vision, I think. Field awareness, what's going on in the field, how things are developing. Could you just talk down what that vision is like for you out there? Yeah, interesting question. I think there's like a, a couple things to it. I mean, being able to you know, attack spaces and like give yourself. So I think something that gets talked a lot about is like, we don't like 50-50 balls or when people are throwing up things. But I think even when you miss, being able to kind of have still trust in your receiver and being able to put them in an advantageous, like in a better spot is kind of the way I look at it. And then also just, yeah, I think being able to hit things immediately and don't kind of second guess yourself. I think that's probably the best advice I ever got was just, you know, play quick, play fast and trust yourself. And I think, you know, usually the, the where I run into a lot of trouble is if I'm looking down the barrel of the gun or looking downfield too long is kind of when that's when I should be dumping it. So um, if I play fast and just trust my throws and trust my instincts, that's usually where I feel most confident. Talk to me on the other side of being able to throw really well, having a strong, versatile variety of throws you can put on a team. You know, are there certain drills that you like to run that can improve this? Obviously, just getting reps is a great thing to do when you're just practicing throwing but break down just how do you become really talented at throwing the disc i appreciate you saying that i, I think uh what what i was able to, when i first like fell in love with the game it was kind of like when i first learned how to throw a flick and i think that clicked with me back when middle school um and it was just something that felt very natural and being able to generate a lot of spin on the disc and just kind of like being able to throw it up and be able to kind of see that consistently um, is where you start to build that confidence. And I think that just kind of generates like where the confidence starts and then where you kind of can continue to go to. Um, and I, I wouldn't say there's a necessarily a, just a, a drill, but it's just being able to throw consistently and go back to the things that you trust and you, you're confident in. Exactly. And I'm sure just getting out there with your teammates or practices and just throw over and over again, I'm sure it's, it's almost like muscle memory in a way. Right. Yeah, I mean, when when you're first when you're first starting out, like I mean, I, I think it's pretty, you know, a lot of people can relate to this when you you're just out there with your friends throwing like every day after school or in high school, and then even in college, I feel like playing, you know, playing for a small school D3, it was mainly what I'm doing is just getting out there and throwing tons of reps and tons of hours spent, you know, trying to master how to throw perfectly. So you're tied number two all time for for assists, which means hopefully you're gonna be breaking that tie this upcoming season <laughs> is that is there a certain level of anticipation or excitement that you just throw one more and you move up in the list and I'm not sure um, what the number is for who's leading the league in assists but I don't know if that's attainable within your career but is there a certain level of excitement or anticipation that you just you know move up that list a little bit further this upcoming season I to be honest I hadn't thought too much about it I I I really do try to approach every game with just what can I do to perform best for my teammates and put us in a position to win. So, I mean, if it happens, it happens. That's great. But if I'd rather take a, a win than, uh, you know, put up uh, some crazy stats here. So if I'm asked to, to be a receiver or play defense, whatever it's going to be, you know, um, it's definitely cool. I mean, like I'll, I'll celebrate it, but then I'll kind of move, move on from it. I like a team first mentality. Is that something you think you fostered throughout your career, maybe starting in college, or do you think this is something that's really pushed within the Montreal Royal culture? 
That's a good question. I think it's kind of interesting when you look at my career in the ADL, maybe it's not, it's, I played with a lot of different teammates and a lot of different uh, formations of other teams. So like starting out with the Hunters was a different team every year than going to the Dragons was a different team. So I haven't had like that consistent group of guys around, um, you know, for like a long period. And I think the most successful teams do have that kind of core of people that stay together for the long periods of time. Just talking about this team mentality, team first mentality. Is that something you think you've kind of developed outside of a team organization? You think I need to I need to focus first and foremost on the success of this team. Do you think this is something that the Royals push as a team collectively, that team before self, and it's just really fostered within the culture of the organization? Yeah, I think like every team comes with a puzzle, and like like the Royal always trying to figure out where what position we could put everyone in to be successful. So it is a hundred percent is team first. And I think that's the only way you're going to be able to find success because ultimate is such a team sport. You can't win with two greats. You need to develop your depth. You need to have everyone contributing and everyone be selfless and you need your playmakers to make plays, but it's like, you can win games, but like winning championships or making the playoffs, these kind of things, it's, it's such reliant on, on depth. I think ultimate is such a, a great sport. It's right. It takes at least two people to score. It, it's the more people you involve in an offense, it usually results in better things. So I think it's such a special attribute of what this sport is. Like in basketball, you can have one person take over a game and win, but that doesn't quite happen in ultimate. So I think it's really special and creates a lot of interesting dynamics. Something yeah, I, like I think to... actually, uh, so just a tangent or like, I think I, I told this story at a practice one time or just because um, I think it's really relevant or it's kind of eye opening. It's like you can never like, I had statistically a crazy game in like 2016, I think, where, you know, I, I, I put up something like 10 assists and nine goals in that game and we lost. And it kind of really submits. I like to tell that story of just like, you're never going to win a game by yourself. Um, it, it really, it really just comes from that depth and being able to work together. And I, I, I just, I, it's a nice reminder, uh, I suppose, to, to the young athletes kind of coming up. That's so true. That's really powerful. And it just, again, it just showcases why this is a true team sport, yeah. unlike some other, you know, so-called team sports out there. And I think it's a really test of a, of a character of a person, right? You're reliant on another teammate. Can you trust them? Can you build that chemistry? And that's more than just your few hours you spend with someone at game day. It means you have to have a relationship at practice and that builds like that. And that's, it's, I think it's just a great piece of what the sport we love. Um, so I'd love to shift here and staying on, just your time with the Royals. Um, you guys really, you know, struggled last season. Um, obviously, I'm sure it's disappointing as a player. You guys are 0-12, which is pretty tough record. Talk to me about what that like getting through a loss after a loss, searching for this win. You've been in the organization a long time. Obviously, we all like to we all like to win, but you continuously come back to the sport in the face of some de- defeats and disappointments. What is that mental picture like? So with the Royal, I mean, it's, we had years, I think 2017 was our last playoff run. And then 2018, I think we were, we set ourselves up pretty well to make the playoffs end up losing a couple games down the stretch to not make it. Um, but that was kind of like the, the, one of the last years we had the same class of people and a lot of people moved on. And then coming out of 2021, where we won the Canada cup, it was like this new fresh, uh, generation of young athletes coming off from uh, Team Canada, U24 is these young guys that were kind of like bringing a new, yeah, bringing new talent, bringing a new, new, new uh, just new guys, I suppose, that were kind of building the core around. And 
you know, that, that was a different transition. And then going into 2022, when we were finally back with all the, uh, the U S teams, cause we had that like split after COVID, um, you know, it was kind of eye-opening, but we were a young team. So, um, it was all about building. Um, and I think some of the struggles that we've had, which I don't, doesn't really get talked too much about, but the, the Toronto and Montreal, um, a lot of the athletes on these teams play for uh, Team Canada and the schedules com- conflict a lot. And the problem is we have such talented athletes that are always playing both. So the amount of roster shifting we're doing to kind of to get everyone playing games or make, you know, missing games, whatever it's going to be. It's not a consistent roster that we're able to put out. Um, And, you know, Toronto deals with similar situations there, but it's just something that, um, you know, (laughs) comparatively the size of Canada versus us, it's just, we have so so many team Canada athletes on the team. So I will look at last year and I was, I, I don't really think the record was indicative of kind of the result we were able to put out there. if, If that makes any sense. I felt there was a lot of growth throughout the team and there's a lot of just challenges that we face that not a lot of other teams really have to go through. So when I look back on it, I'm, I'm just happy with, you know, some of the athletes we were able just to kind of be there consistently and, and whatever kind of curveball was put out in our path, we were able to, you know, to deal with it. That lineup inconsistency you brought up is actually what I was going to bring up next from this. There's a recent article that Adam Ruffner put out kind of, ranking the teams going into this upcoming season obviously way too early but that was the whole point of the article um and one of the areas mentioned when adam was talking about montreal is lineup inconsistencies exactly what you just mentioned you know conflict of schedules that's really challenging a lot of u.s teams will face that with the club season here as well going forward to this next season is there some way that you guys can focus on addressing this problem or this difficulty with the different schedules and try to focus on maybe getting a little more consistency with the lineups. Yeah, I think, so we had a a new coach last year come in and that was the first time dealing with the whole kind of situation with the the team Canada athletes and figuring out who we want and like having that consistent uh, roster out. So I think he's well-prepared and kind of knows what he wants going into this year. So I have a lot more confidence that we'll have a good strategy going into that and at least, you know, have consistency on, on the lines there. So I do feel like that'll be a big difference or a big focal point of what we're trying to accomplish this year. Wonderful. Looking ahead, do you have any personal goals for next season of things you'd like to accomplish? It's funny you ask that right now during off season, like I'm, 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 I'm now 30 and I've been playing, you know, year round since I've been the ADL or the UFA for uh, since I was 18 years old. So I'm just trying to get my body right to be able to continue to to play at the level I want to play or I know I can play at. So I don't feel like I'm hanging up the cleats anytime soon, but I will tell you that each year, you know, all the injuries stack up and, you know, my body feels it. Um, and, you know, trying to keep up with all the, the young guns on the team is something that sure motivates me, but it's also just, you know, I, I'm riddled with injury and riddled with things that like I, I need to address. Um, but I'm I'm still very motivated. And then coming back from injury, it's that's such a challenge. Even though I just I'm a recent college grad, so my body kind of bounced back a little bit sooner. But I'm dealing with the with some minor Achilles tears. And I think of any athlete out there, that's something we all can relate to. When their injury sidelines you, it's devastating. All you want to do is get back to the sport you love. And to see and hear how you fought through these injuries, you fought you know 
longevity, right? You continuously put yourself out there and be a top talent player. And it's for the sport we love. Obviously, you know, players don't get paid too much. Talk to me about what, what gets you back. Keep going back to the sport year over year, even though it means getting you know, a little bit harder to get to that same level. You know, what drives you to the sport? Yeah, I mean, every year I, I'm, I'm very motivated by like the puzzle that we have every year that we kind of with the, the new people that come in or what, what, how we can be competitive. I've always felt that, especially with the Royal, um, that the talent's always been here uh, in Quebec and just being able to kind of harness and get everyone on the same page um, and all fighting for a common goal has just been the, the challenge. And, you know, the consistency, like I mentioned, I think, I think most of the talented teams or the successful teams have that kind of core that's between 25 to 30 years old. That's kind of been together for a long time. And I think that's something that, we haven't necessarily had for the longest time. We have a lot of young core coming up and that motivates the hell out of me. And also just, you know, I think you gotta be a little crazy to play ultimate. I think you gotta, and especially playing this, you know, for the amount of time that we, in the, that we commit to it and, and, you know, battling through injuries, you know, I still got that, uh, that bug. I still got that craziness in me and I, I enjoy it. But when it comes to the injury side of things, um, you know, a couple of things that I've learned from it I, as I've gone through it is like, you know, you've mentioned you're out of college and you were able to bounce back. And I remember those days, but, um, you know, really taking care of your body and really prioritizing it and down to what you eat, recovery, stretching, these things matter. These things stack up and uh, maybe you won't feel it now, but you'll feel it later on. And um, just prioritizing it is such a big deal. And, you know, I remember the days even when it just, you know, no stretching, just hopping on the field and going and I was good to go. But uh, that's not what it's like anymore. Talking about the, you know, what you eat, stretching, recovery, those are things I think pretty generally people have an idea, like eating a Snicker bar is not the most healthy thing. I should probably eat, you know, something, some fruits and veggies. But when it comes down to more of a diet or doing those specific workouts that are tailored for you, that doesn't really seem to be too commonplace. I've, you know, talking to guys with teams, there isn't, you know, specific trainers for some of these teams. Where have you learned what you've learned about how to take care of your body? Yeah, there's a couple of things like one, my girlfriend is a dietitian. So, you know, learning a lot from her about how to recover with the correct types of foods. And also, you know, one of the big things I, ch I was challenged with, and I think a lot of athletes or ultimate athletes is just simply not eating enough, like going to a tournament and just, you know, living off of whatever, you know, a couple bars or something like that. But, you know, the amount of calories you're burning throughout a tournament or, or an AUDL game, um, you need to be eating consistently and you need to be eating a lot more than you think you do. Um, and, and, you know, filling yourself with like the correct things. So, I mean, that's one side of it. I mean, the Royal has done an amazing job. Um, one of the owners is also a trainer, JP Riopel, done a great job of like, uh, teaching us the right way to train, I suppose, and building the foundation to be a, a successful athlete. Um, and I know that's helped a lot with my longevity. And then for me, just prioritizing, uh, recovery days as well. Like I, I think yoga and stretching have just really really helped with my ability to kind of continue to bounce back and uh, yeah, just kind of developing something that works for you and doing it consistently. It's like the habits that, uh, that really uh, help you, you know, play longer. That's such a critical part of being a top level athlete, which I think a lot of players forget about or just don't put enough emphasis on. And I think later on, as you get older and older, you'll feel those, I guess you call them mistakes, not paying attention to your body. Something I want to, I want to shift here. We've mentioned several times, being fired up with these young guys in your team. What is your role as a veteran? How do you seek to lead, to guide, and help these young guys get used to it? For a lot of them, a new style of play 
out in the AUDL or UFA, I guess we say. I kind of just want to push people to practice and kind of set the standard of where we want to be and like what it's going to be like when we step on the field for, for the UFA. And I think for a lot of rookies, when they first come in, it's like very intimidating the first game. And I think once you get past that wave of kind of like fear and excitement, then it kind of turns into, oh, this is the sport I've been playing for a long time. But just making sure everyone is kind of ready to to play at that level and that kind of physicality and, um, yeah, intensity, I suppose. But um, I also just want to be, uh, you know, an ear that anyone can bounce ideas off of and talk to or if they got questions or anything like that. I just want to kind of be there and and just, you know, set a standard of, you know, how to, like I said, uh, uh, prepare for games and, and, and make sure you can last. And I think that's that's kind of a funny thing we've also been dealing with with the Royal is, you know, injuries are very real uh, and I'll keep coming back to it, but it's uh, preparation. It's kind of the same things I was just talking about, but maybe even just like setting those standards of like, if you're not, you know, training, if you're not recovering, if you're not eating right, these things will start to build up. And, and, and Oh, for sure. Injury prevention is huge. Even if there's a little tweak in the knee and I used to be a collegiate runner. I remember feeling my knee one time, like, Oh, it hurts a little bit. I'll get over it. I'll run the next day and it gets worse, right? The importance of recovery days and rest days are so critical. Something I want to talk about now is just the state of Canadian Frisbee, right? You have Toronto Rush, you have the Montreal Royals where you're playing. You've been playing with them for years and years. They've been around for, you know, a decade now. Looking around outside of those two teams, kind of what do you see? There's an up and coming crop of young, talented college players, club players, and You've mentioned Team Canada as well, but you've been around the scene for a while. What do you think about Canadian Frisbee in the future? I have been around for a while. I have been around so long that I've seen different, like, so when I was on the the Hunters and the, the Dragons, we used to get beat down by the, the Rush. I think I I've, I probably have the all-time losing streak against the Rush for sure. Um, but they were, that was like the years that they were, they were winning the whole thing. They were super talented. Um, and I've seen that class of, of guys graduate and move on and see the, the next class move in similar to the Royale. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest rivalries is always the hockey teams here. So Toronto and Montreal is such a big rivalry and it's so all those games are super fun. They're always super close because we all know each other so well. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, like I mentioned, it's just kind of fun to see all these, these young TT athletes, these like under 24s or U 20s. There's, a lot of different classes of Team Canada that have now worked their way up. They, they were teammates, but now they split off. Now they're playing Royal or they're playing um, on the rush. So it's everyone kind of knows each other. And, uh, and it's kind of cool just to see how competitive everyone is, but still, you know, how friendly they are off the field. It's just a, it's a fun new yeah, era of, of, you know, the Canadian Pro Ultimate. You mentioned there the rivalry between you know Toronto and Montreal. What is it like going into one of these matchups against you know your fellow Canadian team? I'm, I'm sure it's a little maybe extra excitement going into one of these games. Yes, I mean that Canada Cup season. I think we played. We only could play each other, so we were playing the Rush and the the Outlaws at the time, just nonstop. So I mean, it's hard to beat a team you know twice, and it's hard to beat a team five times. It's hard to beat. So it's just. We play each other so much that they're they're always they're always intense. We all we all know each other pretty well, so um, yeah, it's exciting and uh, yeah, like I mentioned, just because we know each other, it's just it builds a little bit on it, you know. Oh, I imagine it's the more familiar with uh, familiar you are with the team, I think I think it adds a little bit to. I think back to my college time, we had a team we played. I think it was 12 times in the four years I was at college, and you just got to know the guys 
and that was fun. But then you take it to the field, and there's a height, heightened level of competition. It's it's just so fun. Um, that's what the sport's about too. Is it's a sense of community, a sense of camaraderie. And it's really cool working hard together. I really don't think there's more greater of a bond than when dudes just work hard out in the field together. You know, you're sweating, you're working hard to the same goal. And that goal for you guys, it starts now. It starts in this off season when you prep for next year, which I think I saw on your guys the Montreal's Instagram was these rookie camps you guys do. Um, which is, you know, I'm sure a level of tryout, building out these guys the next year. And reading about those, it talks about how these rookies have a chance to kind of interact with the veterans. You know, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but what do these rookie camp looks like? What do these training camps look like for you guys? Um, these interactions with you and the organization of trying to build up this team for the future. Um, the rookie camps, the idea behind the rookie camps was to like kind of bring in new talent and get them yeah, give them a taste of kind of what it'll look like this year and also kind of, you know, bring in more people and have multiple tryouts and kind of work through um, not just having like one trial where everyone kind of comes. So you don't get to really evaluate people, but give people more of a fair shot of working through multiple tryouts is kind of the idea. That's right. It's all about building for the future, which is what it's all about. Keep a team going. And there are moments, and I think in every athlete's life, that just kind of stick with them. The play in the field, the memorable game, and... In my mind, this is probably a moment that may stand for you. You could, you know, push back on that if you like. But this past summer, there's a highlight I saw where you had a no-looker buzzer beater, actually, on the field. Yeah, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Really exciting. Um, but for those out there, if you haven't seen it, go check out this buzzer beater. Um, absolutely incredible. Really fun to watch. But tell me about that. Was, that. was that exhilarating? Was that fun? Do you look at that and say, yeah, that's one of those moments? Or do you just kind of pass that along? Uh... Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, I look at that. Yeah, it was an end of the quarter situation. So, like, I, I guess it does stand out in my memory just because it's something that I feel like most of the time if I make it into a clip or something, it's a, a, a big throw or something like that I do. So um, being able to be at the end of a quarter and, uh, you know, yeah, that was cool. Um, and in my memory, when it, when I, when it came up, I, when I grabbed it, I remember just tossing it and I was like I threw that really like blady and then I look at it and it was like I, that's the first time I've thrown an upside on backhand uh, ever I think I don't think I really throw that throw before but when I released it I knew I had to get it out quick and I remember just thinking oh man I threw that really blady and then I'm watching it back on uh, film I was like oh that came up pretty well didn't it <laughs> yeah your first time you were throwing it probably, probably the last time you'll throw something like that well now I got it in my back pocket so maybe that's something I'll hey, pull out again but, talking uh, about the I, variety of throws right <laughs> I would say that my most memorable kind of moment um, would probably be 2017 game against New York where we, we won and that sent us to playoffs. Um, my first time ever being in the playoffs. And that's just something that will always stick in my mind. Just, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably my, my favorite moment. Oh, I love it. And yeah, you guys, you mentioned you've been to playoffs twice, still seeking that playoff win is, you know, how would you love to see go to the playoffs one more time before you hang up the cleats? What I like. Yeah, of course I would. Okay. I mean, wh where do you consider? We did win the Canada Cup. I mean, that's that's, that's true. A, that is true. A big one as well. I had. I can. Uh, I look at that was a that was a great game. I don't know if you if you caught that one, but that one was very intense. Came down to the last couple points, and uh, but yeah, for sure, I want to make playoffs, make a deep run, and I think with the talent in Quebec, uh, definitely talented enough. It's just. Uh, matter of putting it together and getting us all on the same page and getting that consistent roster out there consistency in the roster i love it so hopefully yeah hopefully next year that you guys can take it there that'd be very fun to see 
Now, a different challenge, I guess you could say, that you've overcome. When you look at your typical Frisbee player, a lot of them are tall, lanky guys, you know, making those deep runs. Um, up in the roster, you are on the shorter end. You're not a super tall guy out there. And I can look at one of my best friends, um, Garrett Hallinan. He's going he's gonna to hate or love me for this shout-out. He is, I think, 5'8 out there. And he is a fantastic Frisbee player, though. I played all four years in college with him. And he, he his presence in the field like he was 6'5. Absolute giant out there. But there is an advantage, I think, for taller. You're able to get around guys. You're able to elevate a little bit more. As someone who kind of throws a disc a lot, I don't know if there are other challenges that present when you're not able to get around a defender as much. How do you kind of overcome these or compensate for kind of being in the shorter end? I have never been asked this question before. And maybe that's a, uh, well, I guess you may, I'm shorter than most Frisbee athletes, but I'm definitely not. I'm definitely bigger than most athletes. I'll say that. <laughs> so I haven't really had that, that problem of like, uh, I don't know. I, it's a very interesting question because I haven't really thought like it's hindered me or, or something that I'm like, oh man, I'm too too short to be able to play this sport or whatever it is. But um, no, I, I, I feel, I feel like if anything, there's an advantage to my first step. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not taller, but I'm definitely bigger than a lot of these athletes. So even if they are taller, I feel like I can, I can move them if I need to. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I like that first step. That's, that's so important. Um, just being quick, being quicker. And a little bit more aware, I think. And yeah, like you said, you've never had the felt like it was a disadvantage. That's that's huge to hear. And I, I'm sure Garrett out there has never felt like that disadvantage either. <laughs> so you guys are in the same boat. We'll have to put you guys together out there. <laughs> but yeah, just kind of want to throw this to a piece of advice from you. If you want to give a piece of advice looking towards someone for longevity in career of Frisbee, what would you share? I think you got to be, you know, a little bit crazy, a little bit obsessed um with the sport and finding you know different things to love uh and different motivations like each year you're going to find a different motivation and that's that's kind of the hard part to do because it's not going to be the same thing and i think i'm a big testament as well to like i have by far lost more games in the abl or the ufa than i have won um but i look back and i still look at my career as successful and i wouldn't trade it because of you know there's a lot of relationships i've made and a lot of moments that I'm super proud of. And, um, but I, I would say, you know, it'll get hard if you're just only motivated by one thing, but being open to kind of changing what your game looks like, how you can find success, where you find success, what roles you can take on and just being, you know, open-minded and, and also kind of rolling with the punches and, and knowing that, you know, maybe one game won't be your best, but the next one is an opportunity. Wow. Incredible piece of advice. And I usually only ask people kind of for one piece of advice or something. I want to hear your thoughts on this other side of things as well, too. You've mentioned just the amount of teammates that you've had over these years. What would you share of just being a good teammate? How do you be a good teammate to all these guys coming in? It's a good question. I think, you know, that I would probably answer that differently as I've kind of when I was younger versus like where I'm at now. Because um, when I was younger and I'll, uh, you know, be you know very you know, blunt with you. I, I, you know, I thought, you know, if you can play the best you can play, that's being a good teammate. But then as you kind of learn that you can't win by yourself, you know, um, you kind of learn that, you know, just being able to build everyone up and being able to, you, you need everyone. So whatever you can do to make that team successful, whatever role you need to take on, whatever role you need to do during that point is just how you can kind of, you know, I would say that's how you can be the most successful. And also, I, 
you know, not just making plays on the field, but also you can affect the game in so many different ways. So if it's not your day, I think this is something I've said a lot, but if it's not your day on the field, you know, like, or if you're struggling to get, you know, get the legs going, whatever it is, there's still so many different things you can do. Um, whether you're on the sideline, whether you're in someone's ear, whether you're building confidence, there's just so many different things that you can do to affect and, and get everyone kind of going in the right direction. So, yeah, like I mentioned about kind of being able to change your mindset and just to kind of accept things as they are, but still be positive and still know that you could be a good teammate, you know. I appreciate that. That's a great piece of advice. It's all about kind of positive energy a little bit. You want to always elevate the team and build others up. I really appreciate those pieces there. I just want to open it up as this kind of brings us to close of the interview. Is there anything else you'd like to share? So, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm very, I'm still motivated to play and I'm, I'm excited. I appreciate you, you know, bringing me on here. And uh, I like the, the short comment. That's interesting. Maybe that's, uh, there's some motivation for me. <laughs> not, not a dig at you looking for just how you've been able to excel, excel where you are. <laughs> no, I appreciate this, Kevin. Just thank you for everything you shared, kind of a dive into the Montreal Royal, looking at your own career, a very successful career that it is, and just how can you impact others around you. And I just really appreciate everything that you've shared with me tonight. Just thank you for your time. Yeah, man. Cheers. Always. And make sure you check out the Breakside Instagram at Breakside underscore podcast. And that brings us to the end of episode 35. This is David Adamitis with Kevin Quinlan of the Montreal Royals. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.